Welcome to the Ordinary Investors Podcast with your hosts, Sean and Leah Baker. Hey, everybody. I'm Sean. And I'm Leah. And today we're interviewing Jerry Van Leeuwen from the Van Leeuwen Real Estate Advisors. He's a broker, mega agent, and investor. And Airbnb super host. And he's going to take us down his investment journey. So we're here with uh, Jerry Van Leeuwen. Jerry, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, your investment journey. For sure. Um, I'm Jerry Van Leeuwen. Um, I've been a real estate broker now for what, seven and a half years. Uh, the region of Waterloo, I started out as a paramedic here. Actually, it was my first career. Did that for eight years and then got into real estate um, and built a team out of Cambridge. And we lead about four agents right now with two ISAs and three um, administrative assistants. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, how long ago did you start uh, your real estate investing journey? Oh, that was, I'd say uh, probably about like 10 or 11 years ago, I actually got into my first investment property ever. Um, and that was just a, like a, a not a side split, a, um, a semi uh, down like with student rentals. And that was with, uh, with an uncle who was actually doing a lot more investing at that point in time. I didn't really notice the impact or I guess the true impact that that could probably have on my life at that point in time. I was still a medic and, you know, you got the golden handcuffs on in that role. And, um, and I just didn't really think about it until I actually got into real estate and I became a, a real estate agent. And I'm selling homes. I realized that that would be way better. So I would say that passively and actively in the last three years. And what, what drove you to get into real estate investing? I think it's it's really just that that search for more building more wealth, man. Like that that's building wealth and building passive income at the end of the day, right? Um, it's an equity class that just just does it does keep growing. Yes, you know we have some ups and downs in the last couple of years, but over time your average is like four to five percent, right? So that's stability at the end of the day. Do you want to ask any questions or not? <laughs> uh, you applaud. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I guess uh, what type. Or what do you currently invest in? What do you what do you have right now? So currently, I'm doing um, I do duplex conversions. I do some flips as well. Um, I'm focused in the last two years on duplex conversions, and then once we're converted, I'll do a full burr, and um, and then I pull out that money and I'll go do it again. Now we the, these last two that I did, we have put into Airbnbs as well. So that has been a more of a hands-on approach um, and to increase the cash flow and, and it does take some maintenance, but overall it's it's been very lucrative for us. Um, and so just that aspect, duplexes, I still have that original semi. We're actually working on getting a hoarder out of the basement. That's that's what happens with long-term rentals. And um, and then we a new built townhome that we're closing on in, in two days or so, so. And for those of those that, that don't know what Burr is, can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, Burr is buy, renovate, re-rent, and refinance. So going down that path is just finding it where it is, you got that built-in equity where it's gonna be a good deal, um, and then doing the renovation. Um, I found the biggest value add for, for me and my experience was doing that duplex conversion, right? Even just doing a flip per se, yes, it's great, but adding that that value of an additional legal, legal unit um, has been really good. So that aspect, when you refinance, you get the money. The aim is to get a perfect burst to get your your uh, your renovation budget and your down payment out. So you're really technically into that property for zero dollars, and now now the rent pays that off. So what would you say is your favorite type of investment? Um, I, favorite type? I, I, it's multi-unit for me. Like, and that's the that's the space I'm moving into. Um, looking at the after doing these and and really comparing the time and the money 
and the I'd say the effort into it because I did really I, I was that GC on these right so I managed all the trades I made sure that people were here when they needed to be here and I was getting stuff in the evenings and, and stuff like that right so that aspect I would say it really held me back um, and it does it, it's going to force me to leverage because I'm not going to stop doing these but I want to leverage more so I have people doing them but then the true power of the multi-unit side is where you have more doors, more capital coming in, more a higher value, higher appreciation. Um, and think about doing a burr on a $3 million property, right? If you can do a burr on a $3 million property instead of a $500,000 property, you're just going to set yourself to, to generational wealth way faster. What are some of the biggest learning curves you've had along your investment journey? It's a great question. Um, I would say it is... Finding the right people, I would say, is the biggest learning curve. Really learning how to deal with your contractors and your trades. Um, and then then just having the process down, per se, right? Because like the first one I did, uh, the first flip I did, I was very much personally involved. And I had people working here and there. But that's where I really learned that you just qualify your people from the beginning. Do a good interview in the beginning, no matter where they come from. And you'll be able to weed out the people that just won't, they just won't show up or they won't finish it or they do a poor job. So... I'd say that, um, and then the flow of the project and everything as well. Like by by our by our third one, we're we're very good. We we know the flow. We know exactly what what needs to come next. Um, but I just it's it's a learning curve as you go, right? I'm a type of person to jump in with both feet and learn as I go. Make the mistake and learn from it. It's failing forward at the end of the day. But yeah, I'd say the people learning to deal with the people and and just just getting that flow down. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Um, now, recently you've gone into more the Airbnb space. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that and the reasons why going into Airbnb versus just uh, longer, uh, longer term rentals on the duplex conversion? Yeah, like it's it's no secret that the the tenant laws in Ontario are just not favorable to landlords these days. Um, and I find long term rentals just a the, the cash flow isn't quite there with our purchase prices these days. So. We chose Airbnb as a, as a path. It's more hands-on, it's more um, active uh, maintenance of it, but we can leverage that out as well. And we are system we are systemizing that process. So we have VAs handling certain communication aspects and, and using technology as well, right? So um, at the end of the day, it's, it's a higher cash flow. It's better maintenance of your property because it is, it's being cleaned between every, every, um, every guest that comes, right? And then there's always someone in it. So if there's something wrong, it's gonna be fixed, right? So the better maintenance, better upkeep, and just higher cash flow at the end of the day. Awesome. And uh, for for the uh, short-term rentals, what kind of occupancy uh, rates do you uh, typically have? Yeah, we aim for sixty-five to seventy-five percent. So when we're when we're pricing our units, we will uh, we'll look at the at the calendar. And if we're booked up like three months in advance, we're just priced too low. Right during COVID, we actually we actually saw our bookings increase significantly. Everyone was like, they're they're Ontario or Canada bound, right? They weren't really going anywhere out of the country. So we did see our bookings increase. So we, we started to raise the prices up. Um, and now that with what's happening in the market, I'm considering lowering it, but at the same time, with a, with a higher base rate, we are having the last minute bookings, we're still at least getting a benefit from that as well. Um, and people booking ahead of time are usually paying a little more because there's that smart pricing on it as well. Right. And you had mentioned before that smart pricing, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And yeah. Yeah, the smart pricing it really it'll it'll deter on the on the amount of interest per se for a certain weekend or that timeline it'll actually increase your prices accordingly. If you actually look at your, your DNA, it'll show you your smart pricing break, breakdown as well. So it'll show you your minimum, and then it, as you go in time up to like three to six months, it'll increase to a certain um, nightly rate. So you can see 
that maybe in September, I got like $220 a night right now. Um, and if someone books in September, like for a wedding or whatnot, that they want to get locked in, they're going to pay a higher rate. Um, as you get to last minute, it does come down a bit, unless it's like a weekend that's like super busy. Like um, there's that music festival that happens around the corner pretty much. And we had it when they had it here. It's been canceled. They moved it now. But we had bookings right away. And then when someone would cancel, it would get booked up right away. So we actually, we saw the, the rate go up with that just because of that demand. Um, but it's been moved as well. And we were, that was more so in the aspect of we had to qualify that and get in conversation with those people a little more because it just wasn't right. Like something's going on when you're getting that many bookings or cancelings in that weekend. So we wanted to make that we looked and it was that ever after festival. So yeah. Awesome. No parties. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. I, I noticed that uh, on my first Airbnb I ever rented from, uh, we were going away for a, um, a, a guy's bachelor weekend uh, to the Winter Classic. And uh, the first Airbnb that I rented, it was a really cheap rate. And then they canceled it on me and jacked up the rate because they realized that there was something going on inside the uh, inside the community at that point. So had they used the smart pricing, I think that uh, it would have caught that. Yep, yeah, for sure. Do you, do you ever change your pricing um, like seasonally or any time throughout the year yourself or do you just leave it to the smart price? No, yeah, that's a great question. We actually do do di like discounts for a week um, and then a month. I don't do any di monthly discounts uh, for the summertime months and I actually reduce my weekly discount as well for summer months. I would like to see a little more turnover on the summertime only because it is higher rates of pe more people as well. Uh, the winter months are where we'll we'll do like a 15 or 20 percent monthly discount as well so we'll put that on um and we actually got really lucky with last winter and we had three guys go into our one basement unit over at carson and, and they rented it for three and a half months and it was um i think it was like a seventeen thousand dollar booking that we had come out and and our whole winter months were taken care of right and that was for one unit so yeah it was great that's awesome and and uh, typically, what does your clientele uh, consist of? Yeah, it, it varies, right? We get people just uh, people. A lot of people just coming from Toronto for a visit. Uh, a lot of times, it's visiting relatives as well. So if they've got family in there, they're just visiting. A lot of weddings. Um, a lot of people just just coming down here for weddings and they stay traveling from around the world too. I think we had we had a couple from Australia in one of our units uh, a few weeks ago that were there for ten days. Right, so. They come from all over. And a lot, of, a lot of people don't think that Kitchener is going to be that kind of destination, but it is, right? And and we've got a lot, of, and even work work people as well. Right? We'll get people that'll do like a Monday to Friday that's strictly just like a crew that's working in the area for the week, right? So that's that's been uh, significant as well. And uh, you had mentioned uh, some of the automation and the technology behind your uh, Airbnbs, those things that you've learned. Can you share a little bit about that with us? I think the biggest thing would be your, your just your check-in procedures. Uh, you were linking, so we have August locks, and we will we will link in the calendar on Airbnb with the August lock system, so we can dis like segregate our units and stuff. And then as soon as the booking happens, it generates a code that's their, that's their access code, right? And then we have a keypad on the front. They just literally have to show up, type in the keypad, hit the red button, and it unlocks, right? That too it can then send me a notification when someone arrives. So I know exactly when someone's getting there and I know exactly when they're leaving as well, right? So as, as well as that, you can tie in your cleaners into the, to the calendar as well. So they know that they can, okay, I got to go clean, you know, unit B here today. So like at, you know, between the hours of 11 and three. Um, and then they can just see when someone else is checking in. So they know if there's a quick turnaround, they just have to be there earlier and get it done, right? Um, and then looking into your, your security systems, because we do have like this one here is going to be, it's solely Airbnb. So we're not going to necessarily be here. We don't have a long-term tenant upstairs. 
So we put in a security system that has just cameras throughout on the exterior only. And so it'll actually notify us if there's um, any movement, say in the driveway. So we know when people get there and we can actually talk through that as well. So if someone's having trouble, we can just communicate through that. Tell us a little bit more about the, some of the stuff that you provide to the guests to give that wow experience or make it a little bit uh, uh, more homey for them coming in. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's just having like a, a fully furnished area, right? Like having it completely done, you have all the kitchen appliances that you need and um, really thinking that through, right? You'll see um, the soap dispensers that we have as well. So that's like, you'll have actual, like um, whatever, shampoo, conditioner and body wash. And it's on a dispenser that will refill every time. Um, so just making it easier and that it's accessible, right? Um, and then we'll do, usually we do a bottle of water for each guest as well. So we'll put one of those on the nightstand. And then we used to do, um, we used to do like Lindor chocolates or something like that too. Just something sweet, but just, just out of normal, right? And then have the towels rolled up on the bed as well. So it's, it's presentation as well, right? That uh, when they walk in, it's a good presentation. It's kind of that wow factor and, and it's, it's a good go from the start. How do you go about uh, with uh, getting reviews from the clients or from your guests that are coming in and uh, what are they uh, typically giving you as far as feedback on their wow factor? Yeah, like I'd say the biggest thing when it comes down to it for that wow factor too is is the comfort side. Because if I'm looking at like like the couches that you guys are sitting on, the chairs that I'm sitting on, the mattresses as well, like they're not just discount little cheap pieces of furniture that is what we learned i think the first time too is like having better quality furniture and mattresses so for our mattresses we're using um we're using the foam mattresses as well the memory foam style so they're it's a very nice it's a comfort they're durable too like they like we haven't had any issues with it and they're very comfortable and we've got multiple like statements about that in our reviews and just just comments on on the mattresses that we use as well so i'd say that's like another aspect right and then just your lighting right at least having a bedside light on each side um, and having a good flow to it. So, are you guys listed on anywhere else other than Airbnb or just Airbnb? No, we're not listed anywhere else yet. It's actually been talk like just with the market shift a little bit. Um, we're we're booked up our weekends and stuff, and, and like a lot of during the weeks are still still open and coming up in the next like I, maybe not. That's like after thirty days, right? So a lot of that last minute stuff is where we're gonna capitalize on too. So we have considered VRBO as well. Um, and then that's really it. Like I find if we got into something not on the, on the actual, um, on that, those two sites, we would, we kind of just lose that aspect of like syncing of the calendar wise, right? Cause like if we have someone that wants to do something longer, like a medium term rental, then we'd have to make sure it's blocked off. So we're not canceling anything and ruining that, that, um, the super host status aspect. Right. So yeah, we're, we're going to get on VRBO. It's just a matter of time on that one. Yeah. But even if you look at like, if you look at AirDNA, the actual bookings from VRBO is like 8%. Yeah. Like most, the majority of them coming from Airbnb. The percentage is way lower, but that traffic is starting to pick up. We're noticing that. And a lot of um, Airbnb hosts are... Switch it over. Those are, yeah, a lot of owners are starting to get onto that platform too. So I wonder yeah. if you... If you've done that, if you sync that, and what that experience has been like. So we that's and I know that it was probably about two months ago. There was that article about the changes to the to what the 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 guests had the rights right. They could technically cancel and stuff and get a refund right away if you don't answer them and stuff within like fifteen minutes. It's that caused a lot of upset with a lot of people in the states too on the on the mastermind groups that we're in. And, um, so we are, yeah, we're going to get on, on VRBO for that reason as well. And I, I do know there's lots of people switching on everything over. Their whole portfolios are being switched over to VRBO. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I think that uh, one of the big things that uh, held us back from it as well is the super host status and uh, mm. just making sure that you're continually utilizing the Airbnb platform for that, right? Yep. So, yep. Yeah. So, um, so speaking of uh, super host status, what tips or tricks or what do you think has really contributed to you getting that super host status? Um, I'd say st- it's just setting the stage, right? Having having your systems built out. Like, oh, if if people are running Airbnb, you can actually go in and do pre-built-in messages and stuff like that. On on, you can't really necessarily do it from your phone. Go into the website from a computer. You can build out systems just like you would do in a real estate business. Is like what I've done, and you could build it out to to have touch points as you go. So once someone books, it's just a follow-up message saying, "Hey, thanks for booking. If you need anything prior to, let us know." Right, if they're a week out, you're a week out from booking, let us know if you need anything, if you need directions. And then the day of is here's here's what you're doing, here's your check-in instructions. Having all that pre, uh, preloaded and, and going automatically is is huge. And that's starting right from the get-go. And then having that having that go right into when they're here, right? So when they check in, um, you could they I see they checked in, you know, they don't necessarily check in, right? It's just like you know, hopefully you had you checked in okay. Is there anything we could do to help? If if you need it, if you see anything missing, let us know right away. Um, and then uh, prior to the checkout, we're sending a message saying that we love five-star reviews and we're always open to feedback. So if there's anything you need to know, you need to tell us that we can improve, let us know. That's what we get. We get five-star reviews out of that. And then we'll get, um, just say, hey, it was great stay. Just just look at this, this, and this. Like one was a solid door for the furnace, right? right? It, was, it was quite noisy. Um, when it would turn on and if we were watching TV or whatever. So just making little pivots from there. Um, and then just keeping consistent, right? Like if there is, if, like if there's a certain expectation to it, like in the way that you stage the unit prior to someone arriving, then just keep that consistent. And people will say it, people will, will do it, right? And then have the units consistent with the pictures as well. I think that was a big thing too. Cause a lot of the comments or a lot of the reviews would be like, oh, exactly as shown. In my mind, like, well, why wouldn't it be? But there's a lot of Airbnbs out there that aren't, right? They'll, they'll take pictures or they'll, they'll hide something else. Or that that is a distraction or something like that, right? So one of the questions I had for you is: Have you had any issues with like um, regulations or bylaws or licensing in your local market? With no, no, nothing like that yet. I I, I, sh- I feel that'll be coming. I know there's other other municipalities that are looking into that right now. At the end of the day, if you have to get a business license, it is what it is. I would do it. Right. It, it's the, the benefit of it is way that if I have to get a business license to pay a little tax on it, it, it definitely outweighs that aspect of long-term tenancy for me um, and, and the properties that we've built. So no issues at all. Like, and then we do on that side too, like issues with regards to like guests and stuff. I feel that like, I know we, we talked about that prior to, there's been a lot of articles in the, in the news lately about like people that are just being disturbed by these Airbnbs and people partying and all that stuff. Like we do it minimum two nights stay. So if someone's going to party, they're going to have to party for two nights. And then it also in our rules and regulations, there's no parties. Yeah. So if they are partying one night, we'll know about it because someone, if they summon at the point of complaining, then we'll, we'll get that complaint hopefully. Uh, and then we can handle it. Right. So that's just me doing our part to reduce that impact on people. Right. So. Awesome. So what market do you currently um, invest in? Uh, it's strictly Kitcher. Um, that's for the Airbnbs and uh, duplex conversions, strictly Kitcher, really. Um, we are looking into accessory markets or like secondary markets for um, for the multi-units as well. Rolling out a few um, a few systems and models on that side before we really get that rolling. So that's into Calgary, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, right? Looking for more cash flow. 
um, more stability, better tenant rules. Um, it's just, it's, if you do any analyzation, if you do any, analyze any multi-unit property that's on the market right now, it doesn't work. Yeah. You won't be, you won't get cash flow. You're, you're going to be putting money, more money into the property. Um, and many than really that I'm comfortable with. Right. So, yeah. If you were to give one tip to anybody that's looking at, uh, doing an Airbnb or, uh, where, what would you, what would you tell them? Um, I'd say research, research your opportunity as much as you can, right? Connect with other people that are already doing it. So you know exactly what's involved and, and the amount of energy that's going to take to do it. Like, yeah, because you want to have a nice unit, you want to have it presentable. Um, and then I think a lot of people just, they just jump right in and do it, but they don't actually take any feedback or change anything to make it better. So I think just knowing exactly where you need to go with it and, um, and just being cognizant of, of what you need to do moving forward and just always kind of be trying to make it better. Right. So when you're buying an investment property, what are you like, how are you analyzing that? Or what are you looking for? Yeah. Like I, I'm always looking for that exit, right? Like how am I going to get my capital out of that? And what is, what is that improvement strategy on it? Right. So there's, there's kind of three things I'm going to look for is I'm going to look for that initial buy, that initial purchase price. Am I getting it at, at an okay deal? Is there built in equity that by the time we close that I'm going to, that I'm going to have. And then what is, what's the strategy on this unit? I'm not just going to buy something that's going to be no strategy to improve and have an exit. It's like that. Yes. Okay. You might look at that if you had a JV partner that, that has, has money that they don't wants to build up a good portfolio. You could do that aspect. You're going to get that quicker. You'll probably have um, a better equity, like build up faster. Right. But if you have that process of adding units and adding, um, uh, value, that's how you're going to be able to, to exit with more money on your final burr. Uh, so Jerry, you mentioned about uh, JV, uh, partner. Um, can you explain what a JV is? Yeah. Yeah. JV is a joint venture partner. Um, so typically what that is, is like, if someone is saying an opportunity like this, someone would bring the money, they would be that, and they would bring the mortgage. So they bring a down payment, they bring the, the mortgage qualification and the renovation budget. And then that, and then I, I, as the active partner would be able to manage that, uh, that, that conversion or the renovations that you'll have value add that's happening. And then the goal would be is that they would get their on the birth side, when you're refinancing, they would get their money back and then they would be co-owners in the property and we'd split that equity gain uh, from then on or anything going on, right? If you're getting to that Airbnb side, um, then there's a management of Airbnb that can happen too as the active partner. Um, and you're going to increase the cash flow on it as well. Right. And that does really go into that Airbnb arbitrage side. Uh, which we're moving into as well is, is gaining other units uh, that that you can then Airbnb as well. So you actually rent the unit, you pay a, a monthly rent to it, um, and then you listen on Airbnb. You got to put the money into it to furnish it, and then you listen on Airbnb. What we're seeing with that is is you just your cash on cash return. So like your money invested with a rental versus and then furnishing, you know, maybe 25, 30k depending on the size of that home, right? And then your what you're bringing out, what you're capitalizing on that, you can you can get have that fully returned at like six months. Right. So you could be two, three, four hundred percent in cash flow in a year or two years, right, of the money invested. Right. So that arbitrage model is really attractive to us right now, only for that aspect. You can get in quicker because you don't have to do a whole conversion. You don't have to turn it all around and you're not up putting up two, three, four hundred in capital to get it going. Right. Right. Because you got the down payment, you've got then the renovation budget, and then you got to go to the burr, the market swifts, shifts, and you're just not getting it all out. Right. So that aspect, you're able to turn more doors real quick and get it going. Now, the benefit for the landlord is you have someone that's gonna, you have a tenant now that's gonna clean your unit once a week, right? You have a tenant that's gonna maintain your lawn for you, likely hire someone to do it. You're probably gonna have the best tenant that you'll ever have in that rental unit. 
that's going to be there for them because they're going to be there because they want it to make sure like I would just make sure that it's being maintained, that it's being cared for. Right. And the best way to show your, your landlords that is show you, show the addition, show the units that you already have. Yeah. Right. Go through the, go through the reviews. Or if you, if they, if they're worried about it and they want to check in on you, tell them to go check the reviews on your, on our listing. Right. Right. They can see how the property is being maintained. They can see the guests that are coming through it. And really, like that's a no-brainer when it comes down to it. That's fantastic. Kind of answered some of my questions that I had there as far as the concerns from a landlord and how to go about that discussion with the uh, with the landlord on uh, going through that process. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's being open. It's it's just it's a numbers game, man. It's, it's anything like real estate. It's going through, and you're and you're you're gonna there's gonna be people that are just closed-minded and they're not even gonna think about it, and there are. All right, but just going through, and then you got to be selective with your unit too. You just don't want to do anything per yeah. se. Um, but really, just layering that approach, right? Having that kind of unique value proposition of what you're going to be doing, what value you're going to be bringing to their to their unit, and then and showing them what you're doing, right? That's the that's the piece is really showing because if you're already up and running and you have stuff that's happening, you can take them through this, yeah. and they can see see what you've done and and see how you're maintaining it, right? At the right. end of the day. I think that's the biggest worry, right? People worry about the parties. People worry about that, but we can alleviate that concern with the two day minimum and and the rules and what is our system. If they have, if someone's having a party, what do we do, right? That aspect. So you're being very upfront. Oh, yeah. The landlords are telling them exactly what you're doing. You're not just right to the unit, and they think you are occupying the space. Like you're being very. Yeah, you can't do that. You have to. You have to have them agree. So if you're doing like a standard lease, I would just do a schedule and have them agreeing that you're allowed to Airbnb it, and then you can go from there, right? Yeah. Um, also, like tenants insurance, but also then too, you have um, Airbnb does coverage as well. So you have like a million dollar policy on every single booking. Right. So if I then double that up with tenants insurance, now I know I have contents insurance for all my furniture. Something happens, and then we have Airbnb as well. Right. Right. That's awesome. So. That's a that's a good way of scaling the portfolio very quickly too. Yeah, yeah. think of the active cash flow. If you can do two k a month on a unit, now you just you go get ten of those. You're twenty k a month. Yeah, right. In, in profit. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so, are you managing all of those, or because I can imagine that as you scale and maybe do more arbitraging, how how do you see managing all of that? That's that's systems and models and leverage. The end of the day, right? right now, Kendra is uh, my wife is is handling a lot of the communications and everything. Uh, we're building up the systems for a the furnishing of the arbitrage units and then the managing as well, right? So, just having every, like a system, like a checklist on exactly what we're going to get. So, literally, we could put give that to a VA; they can go on Amazon and order that for us, right? Then ship to the property, right? So, this, and then have a crew that'll come and set everything up. Like we have an odd job guy that'll come in and set up all the furniture. Um, and then um, the management side is who's doing, who's handling the communication, have it be handling that aspect. If there's anything that is not like a like a frequently asked question, then it could be up upsized to like Kendra to them to speak to her directly. But coming up with a list of questions on what are the most common questions you're going to get for this property, and having those ready to go and and answer for it as well, right? So you make and then using technology for the access and stuff like that. So you make it fairly consistent. Um, then it's just it's it's on autopilot after that that's fantastic using the tech having it just having a few key people on like hands on like someone has odd jobs so something like light bulbs or batteries on the locks stuff like that needs to be changed you have someone to do that but then your cleaners cleaners are the biggest thing hands on right and finding someone that'll be able to come in at a time and and swip like swapping it over as well and do you guys do full turnover then oh yeah 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 yeah, double sheets. We used to, so we we actually have a closet that'll have a lock on it, and um, we do double sheets, double towels, all that stuff. So as soon as the 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 cleaners come in, they'll they'll pull everything off. 
um, and then put the new stuff on. So that's all done and then they go and clean, right? So um, washing of that stuff can be done offsite or onsite depending on the timeline that they're gonna be here, right? If they're, if they're pulling a, a full unit over, you, typically they're not here more than two hours. So like to do like a load or two of laundry, it's gonna be a little longer than that. So they'll take it home and wash it there and then bring it back and, and restock the cabinet afterwards, right? So now we're at the part, the final four questions that we ask. This is what we ask every every guest. So um, I guess what has investing done for your life? Yeah, it's, um, I would say what it's done for me is actually like, honestly, with everything that I've been doing, it actually has gotten like, like everyone more involved, like in, in my life in regards for like my wife and, and kids, like kids are helping us come over and like they're, they're seeing us what, like what we're doing in regards for like the Airbnbs and stuff. And um like just giving a better bigger vision i guess at the end of the day um for myself it's it's obviously created more wealth um and and just more of a kind of a direction right getting out of that like the, the golden handcuffs of that nine to five aspect has been has been huge and, and just building more passive income um so what are your investing goals and what's next for you so going down a multi-unit path um i've actually been diving into my goals a lot more in the last couple of weeks and my goal is $100 million in uh, real estate holdings um, in 10 years. So that's where obviously the, the multi-units are, are, are a bigger, bigger item in that aspect. So looking at bigger asset classes to move forward into. Um, and now the Airbnb arbitrage is very much active money. And that, the goal of the, our arbitrage model is really to, to retire Kendra from her 9 to 5. So that's where, where we have enough income coming from arbitrage. That's where she's going to fully be done with her 9 to 5 nursing job, which is like nights like 12 hour days and 12 hour nights, right? Like, cause I came from the paramedic field. Um, we want to scale her out of that. So a goal on that side, we get out of that. And then we look at just building that to, to just keep building, I guess, to keep going. Cause I'm a firm believer in this. If you're not building, then you're going to be, you're going to be shrinking and, and declining. Right. So I just don't want to do that at the end of the day. So, but hundred million multi-dollar in multi units would, that's, that's my key, my 45. If you were to recommend one resource for people looking to get into investing, whether it be a book, podcast, anything, what, what do you have? What do you recommend? Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm going to say like books and podcasts are the best for sure. Like I get to go millionaire real estate investor. Um, that book does kind of cover a lot of um, a lot of asset classes and a lot of like how to grow a big portfolio. I think it's more along the lines of like netting a million dollars from from real estate investments. Uh, he does go through the path of money on that side as well, which is which is a big piece. Like cash flow quadrant would be another one. I'd say those two. If you actually like read those two, and then and stack on top of that one would be uh, Three Can You Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, work on yourself, work on your mindset, and then learn the path of money and the power of money, and that's where you'll truly leverage, start to leverage money, and and build a like a portfolio bigger than you could ever really imagine on that side. Everybody starts their journey. At, at different times so it could be different regulations or rules to to get in or barriers to entry um if you were to go back or to take uh today's market and recommend how somebody can get started in investing what where would you recommend that they start in today's market yeah um i would honestly with what i'm seeing i would probably and depending on their their cash supply i would probably say everybody would be arbitrage because if you can if, and that's simple if you have 20k you can start, you can start a unit, yeah. right? Um, and just, you just have to set it up, right? And keep going on it because you can be paying that down in the next five months, five, six months and be profitable from that end. And what else, what other industry can you really like, can you start with 20K to get into the market 
and actually have an asset class that that's like growing rapidly. It's 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 just taken off. Um, now the other avenue avenues are um, maybe looking at real estate investing a little bit differently and like and just thinking and asking different questions around it, like other ways that you can invest. You don't necessarily need to buy the property, right? You can you can educate yourself on how to use other people's money as well. So you can you can borrow uh, from family, friends and stuff like that to purchase or whatnot and get in that way. Or you can actually lend your money as well, right? So you can be that lender that helps people get into it, right? Um, or even even like start wholesaling as well. Wholesaling has been the craze for the last three years, right? We've I've seen it and if, if, you get any, if you're on any of the lists, you've seen it kind of dial back a little bit in the last couple of weeks, uh, last couple of months because of the market, but there's still a couple of wholesalers that are, that are, that are going strong and, and they do very well. Yeah. Very well for businesses. Amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Uh, for anybody that's uh, watching here, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, no problem, guys. I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Um, you can get a hold of me on Instagram or Facebook. My, my Instagram is Jerry underscore Van Lewin. Feel free to shoot me a DM, give me a follow, and yeah, we can connect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope that you enjoyed the show today and that we brought you some value. We'd love it if you give some feedback, let us know what you think about the show and what you'd like to hear. And while you're at it, give us a follow so you don't miss out on any further episodes.